Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today as we do our midweek recap of the sermon from this past week. This past week was Easter Sunday. We had a special time together being able to share in Resurrection Sunday, worship. Uh, It was good to be with everybody. We also had a Good Friday service uh, that went very well. I was glad that people were were there. We had an egg hunt after that and a fellowship time together uh, in the fellowship hall that I thought went went great. I was very happy. I thought it was really good. Did you? Good. Did you get any eggs? Any of you go find any? No, I, no, 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 I didn't either. I no. supported my daughter as she found them, but I didn't <laughs> myself. I, Did you? <laughs> I looked from afar. I didn't get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, some, some kids were busting it. I tell you, they <laughs> were like all out <laughs> getting those eggs. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame them. There's candy in those things. Mm-hmm. Got to get the candy. So that's yeah. what I would have been doing probably as well. Well, for Easter Sunday, it should come to no surprise, or hopefully it's not a surprise, that our focus was on the resurrection and the purpose of the resurrection. And so we did read from Luke 24. Throughout the service, we read different passages that had to do with resurrection. Hold on, my voice is messing up here. And so uh, I looked more at the tail end of Luke when Jesus appears to the disciples and he's talking to them, and they're still shocked. They don't believe it, it seems. They're struggling. He shows them his hands, his feet. Uh, they're still shocked. They don't know what's going on, and it gets to the point where he asks for some food. And so they then eat. It seems they, they eat together after that. Uh, man, what a what a time, you know, what an, what an experience that must have been for those disciples who were locked in a room scared to death that they were going to be next because they were alongside with Jesus all along. And now here Jesus has risen from the grave. He's standing there uh, with them again. I mean, so many mixed emotions, probably probably fear, one, confusion, but just joy and happiness because it's also their friend, you know. It's someone they've been very close to is back and with them. And so they're, I'm sure, excited also. But uh, I wanted to talk about the purpose of the resurrection uh, and see it in accordance with uh, Isaiah 25, and I also referenced Exodus 24, all of which include meals. Growing up in church, I don't, I don't Dave, your experience I'm sure is different than me and Spencer because we grew up our whole life in Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Spencer, I don't know if you were this way, but I heard so much about heaven growing up. I really did in our songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff that we would sing, the hymns, uh, but also just I remember our pastor talking about it uh he would quote a lot of times the fact when when jesus says i go to prepare a place for you and if i go i come back and Mm -hmm. he would quote all that and and i remember hearing about a meal you know eating together and this big this big meal together and there was always this great anticipation for it and it was always talked about in just like a fantastic way like really excited about i don't know did you have that experience growing up do you remember that much or maybe it was just I remember the songs. Yeah. I don't know if I remember it being talked about in sermons so much, mm-hmm. but I, rem- I I definitely remember songs like When We All Get to Heaven, and songs like that, I mean, that are in your mind. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And as a kid, just always being fascinated about it, you know, teachers like, anybody got any questions? Yeah. Are we going to uh, play basketball in heaven, you think? Like, those are the <laughs> questions that, yeah. that you would hear. 
can we go fishing uh, when we get there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, is this a, a thing that will happen? <laughs> no, there's no there's no ocean in no. heaven. Well, you can fish in something, not an ocean. You fish I guess in rivers. there's a river, yeah. You but it's the river of life, though. You don't want to kill the fish. I don't have to kill it. I'll put it back. Just throw it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just throw it back. Yeah, that, if just, you just go out in the water, and they'll come right to you. So you won't have to even go fish for them anymore. <laughs> just talk to them. Yeah. Come here. Yeah, the catfish. Right there, look at that catfish. <laughs> I don't know if catfish will be there. They're kind of bottom feeders. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I like catfish. but You're from the south. You have to like catfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. Sorry. Uh, but this is one of the things with the resurrection that I was wanting to bring out is Jesus rose. And looking back, I wish I would have done a better job with this, but talk about the fact that we will rise as well and be with him because of his resurrection and this is kind of pointing to that it's talking about this meal that we will have together uh again with him and the new heavens and the new earth and isaiah 25 speaks of this meal and, and so that is what we walk through together i'll read it i want to read it for us and so let me get to it here real quick but in isaiah 25 verse 6 through 12 it says on this mountain the lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We've waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in his place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride, together with the skills of his hands, and the high fortification of his walls he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust." And so in Isaiah, you see this prophecy being foretold of the Lord preparing this meal, and not just any meal. It's just it's a completely satisfying meal, is what is being talked about, mm-hmm. uh, talked about here. Uh, and so this completely satisfying meal is taking place, and it's interesting. It says for all peoples a feast, not minimized to just Israel or any, but it, right. it mm-hmm. specifically is saying all people. So again, uh, what we see in Christ of of dying for all. Not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. This would be Paul's battle. This would be their battle soon in the New Testament that we would read. Uh, but even here in Isaiah, talking about how all peoples are going to be a part of a part of this meal. Uh, and it says, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples. Uh, the covering that is cast over all peoples. Now, you guys might have a thought on this. I, I know I do as well, but I think it's referencing, you know, sin being dealt with and destroyed. This covering over them and uh, it even talks about a veil right there at the end, the veil that is spread mm-hmm. over all nations. And the picture that comes to mind is the veil that separates everybody from the Holy of Holies, right? Mm-hmm. And that we know when Jesus died on the cross, it says that that veil was torn in two. And so just removing that veil that has been cast over everybody, it's like, you cannot be with this God. You are separated. And this veil is a sign of that. Don't come anywhere near. But talking about how the Lord, the Savior is going to come and remove that and now you're going to be able to dine with them and him and, and sup with him. And it says he'll swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people will he will take away from all the earth. 
something we haven't experienced too much, I would say, in our lifetime. Maybe it's getting worse. Probably is getting worse. I don't want to deny that. But as Christians, we don't really understand what it means to be reproached, I guess, because of our faith too much. I mean, I haven't experienced that. I mean, maybe little things I can think of in my life. You know, oh, you're not going to do this with us because you're a Christian. I mean, as minor as that is something I face. But this is a big deal mm-hmm. of what is being promised to Israel here. I don't know if you guys want to elaborate any more on your wisdom and knowledge of the history of Israel and the reproach that they faced from the nations for so long. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind there is um, the image... God says he's going to make a feast. So this is a celebration. This is a very happy feast. It's a, a feast. God's going to throw a, a party, so to speak, right? And he's going to have a meal for all of his children. And it's a feast of rich food. So God's not going out and buying uh, Twinkies. Yeah, no bologna. Right, no bologna, no gas station hot dogs here. This is a feast of, right, my son loves right, yeah, gas your station gonna hot dogs. Yeah, your son's going to be upset. He loves those. But um, <laughs> yeah, right. this is a feast of rich food. So God is putting is is not he's not stingy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a father who, whenever the prodigal comes home, he kills the fatted calf yeah. and makes a party for it. The best of the best. The best of the best, and that's the kind of mm-hmm. goodness that flows from God's heart. <clears throat> but He's taking away the covering, the veil, and it makes you think about the whole world being in darkness. Um, he says that He's going to take a swallow up death because, in a sense, the the whole world is is in a sense covered in the funeral garments like Lazarus was. Mm-hmm. We're all dead in sin. We're all dark and covered up in the, in the grave clothes of sin and, and all of its consequences, death and misery and hell and God's wrath. But God in this, in the resurrection of Christ also raises up his people out of the world and, and unbinds them from the grave clothes and, and raises them up and swallows up death uh, forever. Mm. So I think ultimately, yeah, I think Israel Israel was looking forward um, to this promise. And one of the things that's wonderful too, he says he will swallow up death forever. So he's not simply talking about, I'm going to swallow up um, Babylon. I'm not going to simply swallow up uh, your, your uh, international or foreign enemies. I'm going to swallow up death. And this is something that Babylon needs me to do just as much as you do, Israel. Mm-hmm. The Babylonians need this. You need it. The Egyptians need it. Um, and that's found earlier in the book of Isaiah where he says there's going to be a highway, holy highway from Assyria through Israel into Egypt. And the point is, is God's going to save the Gentiles mm-hmm. um, as well as his people. And so he takes away that reproach. One of the things, too, at the very end there in verse 9, when it says, behold, this is our God, it just made me think about whenever um, Thomas sees the Lord Jesus, he says, my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. And it's really um, verse one, oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise you. Um, he is our salvation. And that's what Thomas is expressing there because Jesus Christ has, has done it all mm-hmm. uh, for so, us. So I don't know. Just, yeah. And I think like the repro- reproach part, you know, like you said, Pastor Tim, it's like here in America, yeah, we'll get maybe some jabs here and there as Christians, but I mean, not like what you see in the Islamic world, obviously, the persecution. But I think as a whole, as a collective, you know, the people of God have been always scorned. You know, we've always Mm -hmm. been, you know, I mean, Nero blamed the Christians for the the burning of Rome, which he himself did, you know. And all, you know, this reproach has been for centuries and centuries. And that one day, that's going to be completely removed. And it's like, 
you know, God's his 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 people, the, the bride of Christ, will be, you know, uh, exalted, and the the unbelievers and those who scorn will see. Oh man, <laughs> what do we do? <clears throat> you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, because this will be brought made right. Yeah, it's this understanding. You know, as, so as Christians, we are called to be humble, and we should be. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, we are. Uh, in our humility, prideful, uh, actually. But we, I think a lot of Christians try to live that way, right? We, we do want to be humble. We don't want to put things out there. But at this dinner, as Spencer was saying, this is the vic- this is a victory party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say humility is out the window. I'm not. I'm not trying to get at that. But it's it's no longer trying to be humble in a way as of like I don't want to show my victory here because it's putting down this person. Mm. In this case, it's victory is his, and because it's his, it is ours, and it's mm-hmm. and it is forever. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about hurting somebody's feelings or whatever because judgments already happened. All that stuff has been dealt with. People, you know, cast into the lake of fire. All this is done, and we are now eating together of how we are going to be forever mm-hmm. for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so there's this just joy that we can't even really fathom mm-hmm. uh, this way of living now that w- I, I don't think we can truly comprehend because sin is no longer an issue. It's fully dealt with and we're living in this perfect uh, place with our Lord and our Savior forever. Uh, and it and then it's interesting because you see the personal care too of the Lord in the Isaiah passage of going and wiping tears away from people. And just this thought, so people might say, what do you mean I'm going to be crying? No, it's this picture that mm-hmm. you're not going to be anymore. It's comfort. Yeah, it's yeah. a yeah. comfort, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the Father truly loves you and cares for you. And, and, and you're going to experience that, I mean, just absolutely fully and completely. Mm-hmm. And it's just, in a, it's just so different from the world that we live in. And it's something that we so look forward to. And it's the comparison that... Uh, the prophet here gives to the Moabites is very telling because the Moabites are trying to do everything on their own, right? They're looking for this comfort. They're looking for this peace here on this earth, building fortified cities and mm-hmm. um, in their own pride and their own arrogance. And it really is a good representation of, of kind of how we stray at times, mm-hmm. even as Christians, but definitely our society strays from God where we can do this stuff on our on our own and we are looking for comfort we are looking for joy and hope and peace and the things of this world and the might of our hands and to a sense i'm not saying that stuff is wrong like we teach our kids to get an education and get a good job and we need to do that and there's nothing wrong with that but we start to trust in those things mm-hmm. and that becomes our identity that becomes our mm-hmm. our hope and as we see with the mobites it just gets crushed Right. Yeah. It gets destroyed. There's there's no standing up to the fire with these buildings. They're mm-hmm. they're going to go away. You know, no matter how strong you build it, uh, no matter what material you use, it's it doesn't matter. And so in our in the sermon Sunday, I really tried to lay that out there at the end to give uh, an invitation to people mm-hmm. to say, you know, at this dinner, are you at the dinner? Or are you the Moabites? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to trust in yourself? And even as believers, it's something we fall back into, yeah. don't, don't yeah. we, yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's true. You know, it, it made me think, too, about how often 
in the Bible, there is this repetitive theme of salvation um, being pictured as a feast, an invitation to a feast. Do you think about um, Jesus with the centurion in Mark, Matthew chapter 8, where he says, right, this guy believes, and Jesus says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So, and, and similarly, the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22, where it's pictured as uh, an invitation and actually going out and compelling people from the highways mm-hmm. and the byways to come in because salvation is a feast. And, um, and what that really pictures to us is this is what it means for us, for God to be our God and us to be his people. It's not a, it's not a, um, a, a domineering thing that he does. He invites us to the table and invites us to enjoy his bounty. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like God was saying in the garden of Eden, he was calling uh, the true trees, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was saying, respect my sovereignty, but the tree of life was saying, enjoy my goodness. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the, of, uh, of revelation, we see there's no more tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's just the tree of life. Yeah. It's just enjoying God's goodness. That's what it means to be the people of God, to have life in him and to receive it. And so, yeah, just seeing that metaphor played out through the whole life. And then, um, but you're right, uh, Tim, the Moabites always trying to find a way into the feast without a wedding garment. Mm. And the wedding garments are given for free, mm-hmm. but we're always trying to find our way into it, yeah. into the wedding feast, into this feast without the covering of Christ. And that, that's yeah. the only way you get in. Yeah. And sadly, some people are trying to do more. You know, I was thinking about that is like you said, here's your wedding garment you're allowed in. And you got these people who are like, I think I can do better than the wedding garment. And right. I'll really please the guy right. who's handing the wedding He'll garments be, he'll out. be excited. He'll be pretty excited about it. Kind of like Peter, right? don't just wash my feet then wash my whole body. And he's like, no, no, no. I just mm-hmm. said your feet. Right. That's all I got to do. And a lot of times I think that's where us as Christians get kind of astray mm-hmm. is we start to think, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond here. I'm going to, I'm going to abstain from all of these things or I'm going to, I'm going to do a yeah. Nazarite vow right. <laughs> now. Right. And this is really going to make God happy. And mm. that's not what our faith is about, you know, and, and we can, get lost in these uh, legal requirements, which kind of leads to what the message really was about that we haven't hit on yet was with the covenants Mm. Uh, that what Jesus inaugurated for us is a new covenant that he speaks of. And that means there must've been an old covenant and and there's a bunch of covenant. There's a few covenants in the old Testament. I'm not trying to negate any of them, but it seems like the particular covenant that is being talked about as old versus new is the covenant that God gave with Moses with the law mm-hmm. is what we're referring to as. But the, he explicitly says the one when you came out of Egypt. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right yep. Yeah. And so we see that there and in studying this, it was, it was great to see that the way that that covenant ended again was with a meal. Mm-hmm. They make this covenant, they make mm-hmm. this bond, and God says, all right, you, Moses, the priests, uh, he names the priests, and 70 elders come with me up on the mountain, right? And and they have a meal together. It says they ate and drank and beheld God. Uh, and so that's the old. that was the old covenant. Uh, but we see, as we move through Scripture, that the people did not uphold their end of the covenant, uh, Israel constantly disobeyed, con- constantly fell short, but God was faithful always to them. 
And now Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to fulfill the covenant, all of it. I'm going to fulfill all of the covenant. But scripture so often in the Old Testament speaks of a new covenant to come, a better covenant, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I read Jeremiah. I don't think I read Ezekiel. I had it, but I just didn't for time's sake. I don't know if they put it on the screen. I asked them to, but uh, yeah, they did. Did they? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus Himself, right at the Lord's Supper, up in the up in the in the room doing Passover. It's the blood of the covenant. Mm-hmm. This is a new covenant that he's that he is talking about. And so Jesus came and he did exactly what he said he would do. He fulfills all of the old Old Testament new covenant, and now he's establishing a new covenant, and he's doing everything he has to do in order for a new covenant to be established. Right, so we, I, I mentioned three things. The sinless perfection was one that covers the old covenant. Got to have that in order for mm-hmm. that covenant to actually be fulfilled. And he does that. First Peter tells us tells us that. Uh, he has to die. Needs to happen. Uh, we read Hebrews chapter 9 to talk about this, that a death is needed to seal a covenant. The blood has to seal the covenant. Jesus does this. But what makes the new covenant so spectacular is he rises from the dead and now is alive so that he can uh, fulfill the new covenant forever. There doesn't have to be a a repeat. There doesn't have to be a a new person who comes and takes over because the old person is gone. We're not to uh, Jesus the Christ, number 45. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. don't have to have Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Other religions do that. Dalai Lama. Right, they yeah they get a new one. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, we see it with the popes. There's been many Gregories, the whatever. You know, I mean, how they, <laughs> yeah, they they have all these different things. Even in Islam with Muhammad, right? They have the prophets. I think mm-hmm. have come down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that. We have Jesus. It's that's it. That's all we have. And this is the new covenant that he had established. That it was going to be through him that we would have a relationship with the Father, that our righteousness and our perfection would come through him, through his perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the resurrection had to happen and take place in order for it to be fulfilled. And so I said numerous times this weekend, if you show us a body, this is all over. <clears throat> and Paul says as much too in, in Corinthians, right? There has to be a, re- if there's not a resurrection, Paul kind of says to the Corinthians, what are, what are we right. doing? Right. Right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so this this idea of covenants I know could be new to some people if you're not in the Bible a lot of times, but it's it's very important. And I kind of was worried going into the message, like, is this a little too uh, academic, I guess, I, I was I was afraid of. But I tried my best to not make it mm-hmm. too, ac- too academic. But mm-hmm. the covenants ideas is was is really important, I think, for yeah. the for the resurrection story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think too the the whole going back real quick to the meal aspect that you were talking about with the um <clears throat> the Mosaic Old Covenant yeah. had a meal. Yeah. We have a meal mm-hmm. that continually we recur and celebrate um that points us forward to the, the Lord's Supper. Yeah, the Lord's about. Supper, which is a meal. Mm-hmm. Um but also you see this even in covenants between people. Mm-hmm. Um, in Genesis chapter 31, whenever uh, Jacob is running away from his uncle Laban, who's also his father-in-law, they make a covenant between them. And we read there that, um, <clears throat> the and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. 
They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country um, before they departed. So the point is, is they had a, a meal together. So this is an aspect of what it means to enter into a covenantal agreement with somebody is that you have a, a meal to kind of like seal this. And so God, by giving us a meal signifying all of his promises to us. I mean, we do this in a sense, even what do we do at weddings often right after we have a meal? Yeah. We have a a party afterwards to kind of this happened. Let's kind of celebrate it and really just show that it's real. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Lord's supper is. It's a meal. And the the amazing thing is Jesus says, I am the meal. Yeah. (laughs) My body and blood is what these things are to symbolize to us is uh, yeah. And, And you know, I thought you, when you mentioned specifically, like you said, okay, you know, to you young people out there, you know, mm-hmm. when you were talking about, you know, the world that we live in, there's a lot of good things. You know, we have good days, but it's hard. Life is a struggle. You know, and I, like last night, my kids were like, they're like, oh, I don't want this to end. And we're like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you know, we, we, it was the best weekend, you know, and now we have to go back to school, you know. <laughs> but Friday, we had Good Friday, and then we had a, a meal together. And then we had Easter Sunday, and then we had a big meal yesterday at, at my house that my wife prepared for our family for Easter. And they didn't want that to end. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, right now on this earth, these tastes of heaven, mm-hmm. they, they don't last. You know, like C.S. Lewis talks about the ache that we all have. And mm-hmm. we, get a, we, get a, we get a taste of heaven, you know, momentarily, but just like trying to hold sand, just like that, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But Jesus promised, the Lord promises that one day we will forever be with the Lord and we'll feast you know, and that's that celebration, like when you go to a, a wedding feast, you know, or you a, a Good Friday service meal together or whatever, you're like, I don't want this to end. This is a great, mm-hmm. you're talking to people, you feel encouraged, you know, then you have to go back home and you have to wake up and start a new day. This is the idea that this will not, this will go on. This is, this is the, the, the hope that we have, right. you know, right. so that's exciting. But right now we had like, in teaching young kids that, you know, it's like, yeah, I know you got to go back to school, you know, but, but one day, you know, mm-hmm. so. yeah, and we're talking about that, you know, and talking to the students and stuff, but not just the students. I was hoping the adults were listening too. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's natural for all of us to struggle with satisfaction and mm-hmm. we're always trying to be satisfied. And it seems like every day when we wake up, that's our, that is our goal. Our goal is to be satisfied at the end of the day when we put our head on our pillow, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for most of us, we know what it's like to go to bed not satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even mean—I don't mean food-wise, just with whatever, whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing. Uh, it's a—it's a struggle, and so I, I do remember as a teenager, as a kid, I—I—I I, I had a good life, I guess, because I enjoyed it. You know, I—I I enjoyed my life. I looked forward to the things to come. You know, I looked forward to having girlfriends or getting married or having kids or having my own house. Like, I, I remember as a kid just looking forward, and the future always seemed positive. It always mm-hmm. seemed bright. And so I wanted that. And, and when I would be in church and hear them talking about heaven all the time, it actually kind of sounded like a downer a little bit mm-hmm. because I wanted to experience this stuff. And, and when the adults would say, you know, how much they were looking forward to it, I used to think they were selfish. Mm. Like you're saying this stuff, but you don't care that I haven't lived the experiences you've lived. You've had the chance to do this, and I haven't, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you just find out as you go on, and I most people would not call me old yet. I know I'm getting older, but there just isn't any pure satisfaction in this life. Yeah. You know, you go on a vacation that you've been planning forever, and you get there, 
and you have fun and maybe it's a good time, but you just realize it's still not itching the scratch yeah. of true satisfaction here, you know, uh, or whatever, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to even comprehend or think about what it's going to be like. But the Bible tells us that we will have a pure satisfaction yep. with him forever. And that's why you don't get old of it. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get tiring because mm-hmm. you're completely satisfied at all times in and through him and what he's done. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard, I think, to put into words. It's hard to understand but I think as we do get older and go through more struggles in life, it's something we do desire more mm-hmm. and want more yeah. uh, and try to grasp onto more. I think also there's a sense in which um, our society probably, maybe in some ways, we actually do understand this truth because we've, as a corporate society, we've tried to live the life of the preacher in Ecclesiastes. We've tried to find pleasure in entertainment, mm-hmm. um, in our work, or finding whatever we can, whatever's fun. Because we, if you, if any society has um, ever worshipped entertainment, it's our society. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we live for. We have heard it. Was it say? Isn't there that quote that we, we, um, we, we are a society that uh, plays at our work, but works to play. Yeah, <laughs> works at our play. And so we are so dedicated to our hobbies and to our leisure. But whenever it comes to actual work that God actually at the beginning blessed, we just kind of goof off on that. We've actually totally reversed them. So I'm just saying your, your point about satisfaction, I think is actually very pertinent to our society as a whole to, cause sometimes we can think, well, we're just so blessed. So we don't actually know what it means to not be satisfied. I think it's probably the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's because we're so blessed with material blessings and with entertainment with, um, I mean, look at how many streaming services we have, look at all the, the amusement parks we have. Um, and yet people are still not satisfied. Yeah. Well, I think that shows right that everything is vanity, and uh, and we need to go back to the substantial things um, that actually mean something, like people and God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the things that those are the only two things that are going to go out of this world um, <laughs> to the next world are yeah. the the souls of people that we live with and we're around, and the God who made this world, who's making the new one as well. Yeah, and what does Paul say? All creation is groaning, within, right? Right, including us. We groan. You right. Know, and, and maybe that groan gets lessened at times. You know, we have those those days that have that that really good. It's like, oh, I feel really good. I feel like everything's mm-hmm. right in the world. But just like that, it's gone and the groan is back. We're always and, looking for a utopia. Yeah. And one day the groan will be gone. Right. Yeah. We try to dampen that groan. It's kind of like a cortisone shot. People go yeah. and get in their knee and it's like, yeah. well, I know you don't have pain in your knee, but you know, the problem is still in your knee. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's right. still there. Bones grinding on bone. Like yeah. you need to do something with that eventually. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we definitely have, we do that. Well, I'd actually heard somebody say at some point, Spencer, um, a lot of uh, society, not societies, a lot of empires and uh, world conquerors and leaders their destruction came because leisure became mm-hmm. the oh, yeah. the main thing 
Uh, you see it with the the French, even you see it with uh, Rome, because right. they say in Rome it got to the point where the average person didn't work. There right. was enough if you slaves; were, you, they were all working, throwing right. bread to the people. Yeah, their right. life their you life were, was just about you were, leisure all the time. You were literally on welfare. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was yeah. in in the city of yeah. Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's. But it, I mean, yeah. but it was just because they wanted they they tasted some good life, right? And how can right. we get more? How can we get more? But it gets to a point to where. They couldn't function anymore right. because of it, mm-hmm. and that's because we're not made for that. We're not no. made here for just for this leisure. Mm. Our 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 time of leisure is a time to come. We look mm-hmm. forward to that, and that's why on this earth, you know, God is very clear to talk to us. Yes, there's going to be times of leisure, and there's nothing wrong with it, but. Work six days, mm-hmm. seventh day rest. You know, I mean, there's right. this thing, and and there's going to be suffering. There's going to be turmoil. There's going to be hurt, and mm-hmm. you need, you know, don't, uh, you know, in Proverbs we see it talking about being lazy and all these different things, and it's pointing. If you read the Bible very clearly, it's pointing to you work and you you try hard in this right. life. Um, yes, enjoy things you can, but when that when your life becomes about joy or just in in leisure mm-hmm. and in these mm-hmm. things. It's probably going to end up being your fall. I know we're talking about as a society, but just even you as an individual, yeah. you got to yeah. be careful for that because then you're living for, for this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we don't live for for this. We live for what is to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the eternal Sabbath, mm-hmm. which yeah. is um, which I mean, this is kind of going astray real quick, and I know we're wrapping up, but that's one thing that actually has hit me is that I think our current situation desperately needs a recovery of the whole doctrine of creation again about not simply about who we are as humans, but that whole, I mean, the Sabbath predates the fall. It was instituted before the fall. And then what is work? How, what is that? What does it mean to be made body and soul? Because the resurrection, most of the time as Christians, let's be honest, we think about heaven and we're floating on clouds and we don't, we're, but eternal life is going to be lived in a fleshly body mm-hmm. it's not a so material is not bad mm-hmm. um and just all of those things i think recovering for us would be would be really helpful um as we deal with a lot of things in our current situation but as we just think about what it means to be a, a person um and, and what redemption actually looks like um i think if we recovered a good mm-hmm. doctrine of creation we would know then what is going to be redeemed ultimately in into the next world yeah. yeah, yeah, and again, I mean, we bring this up to kind of wrap it up. We brought all this up, and some people, man, you're going on tangents or whatever. No, we bring this up because there's coming a day for Christians because of the resurrection that Jesus promised. He's not the only one who's going to experience a resurrection. We are too, and He's promised that when we resurrect, we will be with Him forever, completely living life <laughs> to what it was meant mm-hmm. to be, and. The struggles that we face here will be will be no more, you know, and and so we we as Christians should look forward to that day. We should be praying, uh, "Your kingdom come, right? Your will be done." Let let this stuff happen. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we also can't just get lost and distracted where we're just looking east or something the whole time, right? Uh, no, work while you're here. There's gonna be struggles there's going to be difficult to be understand victory doesn't just come that day when we eat this meal with christ it's already came as a christian right you have it now and so you should live a life understanding of peace of hope of joy and there's going to be times no doubt where you don't feel that you don't comprehend it maybe even but as christians 
We hold on to these truths knowing they're still true for me. I still have victory. Even though right now I feel like the biggest loser, right? I feel whatever it is. No, you have victory in Christ because you are in him. That's what Ephesians has been talking about, which we'll be back to be back to this week. Yeah. And so I look forward to get back into Ephesians. You guys got anything else before we wrap up? No, that's good. That's Feel good. free if you yeah. do. No? All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, listening today. As I said, we'll be back in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, looking at the uh, gospel shoes uh, there. Uh, so maybe you can read up, do a little bit of studying, but I really do hope that you have a blessed week and Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. God bless.